Indeed, tomorrow many of us will enjoy family and friends and open up many gifts without a doubt. Our children will stay up throughout the night with an anticipation about what's under the Christmas tree. There will be much joy for many of us on tomorrow. Who doesn't like to receive a gift? Even the most vowed person in our congregation, even the Scrooge or the Grinch in our congregation can appreciate a gift. I ain't never known nobody, known anybody to turn down a gift. But if there is one thing that brings me joy around Christmas, it is gift wrapping. One of my favorite things to do around Christmas time is wrap gifts with my wife. Now I must be honest, she does most of the gift wrapping. (laughs) But I like to help, or at least observe, as she wraps. We usually go up in our room and wrap gifts while the children are asleep. I recently inquired of myself, why do I enjoy this so much? There seems to be during wrapping time this incomprehensible joy. There is a joy that arises when I think about how happy my babies will be on Christmas Day when they rip through this wrapping paper. Joy seems to overtake me as I fold the wrapping paper over the gift and apply the tape to each corner, or should I say page. You see, it is more than just wrapping gifts, but it is as if you're wrapping up your joy to deliver to their hearts. I think to myself, man, I can't wait to see their faces when they open up this one. There it is, church, ever present in those wrapping moments, all because of the joy it will bring to my children. But this morning, have you ever wondered? What the Heavenly Father was thinking when he was wrapping up Jesus to send to us as a gift on Christmas Day. I mean, really, what was going through the Father's head as he was wrapping the Son of Glory up in flesh and bones in Mary's womb? God the Father sent God the Son to us in human wrapping paper. Apostle John puts it this way. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. The glory as the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. If I had more than 20 minutes, I'll stop right there. But I got to keep going. What was God wrapping experience like? Why did he put on human flesh? I believe our answer is found in our text today in Galatians chapter 4. Verses 4 through 5, if you have your Bibles, go there. It will also be up on the screen. I don't have time to wait on you this morning, so I hope you know your Bible. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. I want to talk about what happened first before the gift wrapping. In verse 4, it helps us to see into the heart of the Father. It says, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman. You ought to get some appreciation for the ladies in the room. 
I'm so glad that I don't have to deal with labor, but I take off my hat to you all. Church, there is something about this verse that should jump out to us. There is something about this verse that communicates to our hearts God's gift-wrapping experience. The Apostle Paul tells us and communicates to our hearts this morning God's gift-wrapping experience. Paul tells us when the fullness of time had come. You see, this little phrase indicates and communicates God's preparation in timeliness. You see, church, Christ didn't just randomly come into the world. Christ's coming was well planned out. You know God the Father is no dead, be dead. He planned it all out. God knew exactly when he was going to send Jesus Christ. And this reminds us of that old saying, he might not come when you want him, but he's always on time. Uh, this ought to bring, yeah, you can give God praise for that. Many of you can testify to him being an on-time God. And this ought to bring some comfort to us this Christmas Eve. Because no matter what you're going through, God knows when to send you through something and when to bring you out of it. If God could orchestrate the perfect arrival of his son, dealing with your issues is not a problem for him. In fact, it's a piece of cake. There is nothing that happens in this life outside of the sovereign hand of almighty God. Church, the father had anticipated. He had planned and ordained the first Christmas for quite some time. He anticipated it more than children who sit around the Christmas tree days before Christmas. You know how it is. You know, one time I woke up and there was a hole in one of the uh, gifts. I just, you know, I'm just dealing with things up here and I'm just out, outward therapy. But God had anticipated the first Christmas for hundreds of years. The entire Old Testament history, God had been whispering and promising and suggesting that he would send a Savior. Even when we read the book of Genesis, we hear echoing from the corridors of human history the first promise of his coming. We see this in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. He says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This glorious, majestic melody of his coming is sang in every book of the Bible. Can we take our cars and park it in Deuteronomy for a minute? Chapter 18, verse 18, we hear the voice of Moses speaking about his coming. He says, God says through Moses, I will raise up from them a prophet like you from among their brothers. And I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I had commanded them. And if we drive over to Isaiah, we can hear this majestic melody once again. For to us, oh, we know this verse, a child is born. To us, a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father Prince. Of peace. The father was working diligently in the background, even through all the sins and trials and darkness of Israel, to bring about this perfect moment for his son to come into the world. 
And like the rising of the sun in the sky, the voice of one crying in the wilderness broke forth like light, saying, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. This voice was a sign that the Messiah was just around the corner. Zoom in, if you will, a second time on that phrase, fullness of time. We need to investigate this phrase just a little bit more. God sent his son in the fullness of time. Well, the expression of fullness of time means when the time was ripe, when the time was perfect, God sent forth his son to be the savior of the world. You know how it is days before Christmas. You're trying to get everything together, put all the pieces together, cross your T's and dot your I's because you got people coming over. You want to make sure everything is righty and tidy. You guys didn't know I was a poet, but he putting everything together. You see, God actually crossed all his T's and dotted all of his I's as to bring about the perfect moment for the birth of the son. Historians tell us it was the right time politically. The Roman Empire was at its height. While it had its flaws, Rome gave a large part of the world's good, good, good roads, just like the interstate in our country. A fair system of government in peace. For the first time in history, people could travel with ease, making it possible for news to spread rapidly throughout the land. They didn't have Facebook and social media and Snapchat and things like that, so they needed good, reliable roads. Years later, when the early Christians needed to take the message of Jesus to the far reaches of the empire, it would be easier than any other time in history. It was also the right time culturally. The Greeks had created a language and a culture and brought an element of cohesion to society. More people were being educated and were able to read than ever before. And when the New Testament was written, it was written in Koine Greek a language the majority of the people understood. And again, this made it more likely for the message of Jesus to take hold. It is in the little details that we realize that God was working it all out in his timing. The verse goes on to say, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of woman. There it is, church. God came to Mary and told her, she would bear a son. These are the words. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the son of the most high, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. From this time on, God would spend the next nine months wrapping up his gift for the world. What had only been a whisper in a promise from the Father was becoming a reality. What Abraham dreamed about was finally getting ready to come. What Moses taught about was finally getting ready to come. What David anticipated was finally getting ready to come. What angels longed to see was finally getting ready to come. I don't know about you, but when I hear that, God is faithful when he says he's going to do something He's going to do it. 
And in Mary's room, a young virgin girl divinity would collide with humanity. And eternality would kiss the finite in Mary's womb. The one who is infinitely satisfying would taste hunger. The one who knew no sin would become sin. The eternal word of God was becoming flesh. The one who holds the world together was becoming flesh. The one who knitted you and I together was being knitted together in Mary's womb. What kind of God are we dealing with that the eternal would meet the temporal, but God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can think or even ask? This church was going to be the greatest, most glorious, most majestic Christmas ever. Can you imagine, church, what those rapping moments were like? The son who the father loved, the only begotten son full of grace and truth, was being wrapped in human wrapping paper. God with a heavy heart wrapped glory up in a body. The father knew what it meant for him to send his son into the world. Oh, he knew, church, that the gift that would cost him everything would be treated like actual wrapping paper. You do know what happens to wrapping paper, right? You tear it open, you ball it up, you trample on it. And God knew that this was going to happen to his son. Nevertheless, God the Father kept on wrapping up Jesus in Mary's womb. God kept wrapping Jesus up regardless for his children. God, with an unprecedented joy, kept wrapping Jesus up for you and I. The Bible says, for God so loved, you know this verse, for God so loved the world that he gave. I'm so glad that he's a giver, that God gave, that God, that God gave his only begotten son. The father loved us enough to send him. Well, here's the question I would ask if I wasn't safe. God, why would you send something we don't want? You know we didn't want Jesus. Now, you may be looking holy this morning, but the reality is prior to salvation, uh, Jesus was not the first thing on your Christmas list. Why would you give me a gift I didn't ask for? And many of us will experience this tomorrow, getting gifts we don't want. You know when people give you that gift you don't want or you don't know what it is, you'll be like, thank you. Yeah. Appreciate you. Do you like it? Yeah. Because you're a Christian and you don't want to lie. You know, you be wanting to tell the truth, you know, but you don't want to hurt nobody feelings, so it's kind of complex. However, God doesn't send us what we want. He sends us what we need. Notice God didn't ask or inquire from us a Christmas list. He didn't say, write down what you want, because God knew exactly what we needed. I hear the words of Jesus echoing in my ear when he says, the Father knows what you need even before you ask him. You know he's all-knowing, right? Friends, what I need and what you need is a redeemer, whether we see it or not. 
Look at verses 4 and 5 again. Born under the law to redeem those who were under the law. In this verse, we see the reason for Christmas. The first Christmas present was a redeemer. God delivered to us exactly what we needed. Now, if our primary need was an economist, God would have sent in economists. If our primary need was a doctor, he would have wrapped up a doctor. If our primary need was a lawyer, he would have wrapped up a lawyer. If our primary need was a mechanic, he would have wrapped up a mechanic. If our primary need was a choir director, well, God would have wrapped up a choir director. But our primary need was a redeemer, so God sent the redeemer by the name of Emmanuel. God is with us. Why Redeemer God? Talk to us, Paul. He came to redeem those who were born under the law. To redeem means to obtain or to set free by paying a price. What did God pay for? Our freedom from slavery and sin and death. That's what God paid for. What was the price that God paid for our liberation? In the previous chapters, uh, uh, Paul answers it. Christ redeems us. From the curse of the law, by how? By becoming a curse for us. For it is written, curse is everyone who is hanged on a tree. It cost God the price of his son to redeem you. Redeeming you was no small ticket. God gave up everything. He emptied out his pockets and he gave you the best in order to redeem you. When God sent Jesus, he was sending the necessary payment for sin. Not money, but righteousness. You do know you don't have any righteousness. You do know the wages of sin is death. We needed a redeemer and nothing else. Church, we were a mess. To be quite honest, and that may offend you this morning, but it's the truth. And Perhaps you're not impressed with God's gift of a redeemer this morning. Perhaps you think that you don't need that payment because you didn't rape anybody or you didn't murder anybody or you haven't stolen anything or you haven't got drunk lately. But I got a news flash for everybody in the room this morning. As long as you got a birthday on the basis of you being born makes you a sinner. And because of that, therefore, you are in need of a redeemer. You see, church, we need it. A way out and a way up. We needed a father who love was greater than any earthly father to meet our greatest need. We needed something that can clear our sin debt. We couldn't pay that debt. So God sent the baby in Bethlehem to become for us our sin uh, payment. When we understand that we had a debt that we couldn't pay. That baby in Bethlehem becomes a little bit more valuable this morning. Let me explain it this way because y'all looking at me like y'all don't know what I'm talking about. So I brought a story just in case. Let me tell you about this preacher who was in seminary and he was going for his MDiv. And as he was going for his MDiv, he was driving and he got into a terrible, terrible car accident. The police arrived at the scene and said, sir, you're going to have to go to the hospital. He said, no, no, no. I don't want to go to the hospital because I don't want the bill they're going to give me afterwards. 
You know, it's amazing what they charge people to just to look at you and to examine you. And so he went to the hospital and he complied and he got the exams and he called his brother who was an attorney. And he said, hey, they're going to send you a bill in the mail and all I need you to do when you receive it is to mail it back to me. He said, no problem, I'll do that. And two weeks later, he received the bill in the mail. His brother had sent him the bill FedEx and he opened up the package and there was the bill and he looked at the bottom of the bill and there was a payment that he could not pay. Now, I don't know if you've ever been in a situation where you got loaded with something that you couldn't pay, but it doesn't feel good. You get, you, you get depressed, you get down, you get, especially around the holidays when you get things that you cannot pay for. And so when he looked at the bottom of the bill, his soul kind of sunk in him. But at the right-hand corner, his brother had posted a sticky note that said, I sent you the bill, but I paid it yesterday. Y'all don't appreciate the gospel when you hear it. God is saying that you may have a bill, but I paid it. 2,000 years ago when I sent the Redeemer into the world, when I sent my son into the world. So you may be jacked up and messed up, but you got to remember that God sent the payment yesterday. And when Satan throws your sin in your face, you let him know God paid the debt yesterday. As you know, God sent Jesus through Mary to pay our sin debt. And as you know, he would die for our sins on Good Friday. But friends, there would be no Easter if there was no Christmas. If he had not become a man, he could not redeem man. If he had not been a righteous man, he couldn't redeem unrighteous men. If he had not been God's son, he could not redeem man for God or make them children of God. Says Scott in his commentary, Brothers and sisters, you may not get everything you want for Christmas tomorrow, but God has sent everything you needed 2,000 years ago in human gift wrapping paper, the God-man Jesus Christ, and he holds it all together for us. But hold on, it gets a little bit better. Look at verse 5 again. It says, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. Church, I want to talk about that for a minute. God sent his only baby so that he might adopt more babies. God didn't just pay off your debt, and that's good, and that's worth shouting over alone that the debt is clear. But God didn't just pay for your sin debt. God paid for the cost of your adoption. In other words, what God is saying is that I want to bring you to myself. I want to make you my child. Merry Christmas to you, by the way, that God has adopted you and made you a child of the Most High God. You know that the adoption process is extensive and intensive and even expensive. You know when you want to adopt a child, you must fill out a mountain of paperwork. And in a similar way, God had to go through much to adopt us. Jesus coming into the world meant our coming to God. It meant we were being accepted by God. But in order to appreciate acceptance, you got to know what it is to be rejected. I want to tell you guys another story really fast. When I was younger, you know, you used to pass those notes around, right? 
You know, when you had a crush in the classroom, don't act like y'all ain't never did this, right? And on that note, what you write, do you like me? Will you be my girlfriend or my boyfriend if you're a lady in the building? And would you circle yes or no, right? Circle as simple as that. And so you pass it on to your friend, and that friend passes it on to a friend, and that friend passes it on to a friend, till it finally gets to your crush. So the paper had finally landed on my fifth grade crush, and she landed on her desk, and she circled. And I seen her circling like this. She did it several times. So I figured, you know, she really wants me to know that she wants to be with her brother. And so the paper came back to me. And when it came back, it said, no, circle five times. Why you got to circle it five times. All you had to do was circle it one time. You ain't got to be rejecting a brother like that. I just asked you to circle it one time. That's it. But you know that I felt hurt and I felt brokenhearted. I'm like, how could she do a brother like that? The rejection felt bad. But I came to tell you that God sent Jesus so that when the paper is sent, God, do you love me? God says, yes, yes, yes. God accepts you. I don't know who's rejected you this morning. If State Farm may have rejected you, Allstate may have rejected you, your mama may have rejected you, your daddy may have rejected you. People may have rejected you, but God has accepted you. And as long as God has accepted me, it doesn't matter what they say about me. It doesn't matter how they feel about me. God is circle yes, yes, yes. And I'm his. And I'm all his forever and ever and ever and ever. But hold on, church. But hold on, church. You know, in order for you to be accepted, Jesus had to be rejected. He was rejected so that I may be accepted. You know, they treated Jesus like human wrapping paper. You do know what happens to wrapping paper once again. It is crushed. It is torn. It is stepped on and disregarded. But see what devil and then the Roman soldiers failed to realize is when they opened up that gift, that they opened up my joy, that they opened up my peace, that they opened up my grace, that they opened up my salvation, that they opened up my propitiation, that they opened up my glorification, that they opened up my peace of mind. And this is why we sing joy to the world. The king has come. They didn't know that when they opened up Jesus that they were opening up the floodgates of heaven, that they were pouring down every blessing that God had for his children when they ripped open Jesus. When me and my wife are done wrapping, or Paige is done, (laughs) wrapping the gift, we put a small note on the gift. And on that note it says, from mom and dad to the Kyle. From mom and dad to Kyla. From mom and dad to Lila. When God sent Jesus, he put a little note on his son. It says, from your heavenly father to Frank. From your heavenly father 
to Abel, to your heavenly father, from your heavenly father, to Tonda, from your heavenly father, to Paige, from your heavenly father, to Rick, from your heavenly father, to Ashley, from your heavenly father, to Mike, from your heavenly father, to Scott, from your heavenly father, to Demeter, from your heavenly father, to Al, from your heavenly father, to Rick Senior, from your heavenly father, and you just stand up when I say your name. When God sent Jesus, he had your name tagged on him, saying that this gift is for you. Just in case you think that you're not saved because I didn't say your name. <laughs> From our Heavenly Father to everybody. And I want to end on this note, and I'm going to take my seats. I'm pretty sure my 20 minutes are up. But you know, when Jesus came into the world, they announced him coming. They said, born unto you this day as your king. Well, church, if you don't mind us celebrating like they did when Jesus came into the world, I'd like to announce the coming of the king, if that's all right with you. And I want to do it in a modern-day fashion. But how about we stand to our feet for this? Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, born unto you this day, is Adam's Redeemer. Ladies and gentlemen, born unto you this day is the Lamb of God. Ladies and gentlemen, born unto you is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, God Almighty, the eternal, everlasting Prince of Peace. Ladies and gentlemen, born unto you this day is your Redeemer, your payback, the one who paid for your debt, the one who tramples the devil. Ladies and gentlemen, Born unto you this day is Mary's baby in the major who has come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. How about we give it up for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords?